It's time for us to hear from Andy Morgan now as he brings God's word for us today. As I mentioned at the beginning of this service, we are in the third and final week of a mini-series called Resurrection Hope. When we were planning and thinking about the theme to share at CBC Online for November, the theme of Resurrection Hope rang out strongly to us. The central gospel issue of Jesus' resurrection and the truth of that for us as Christians today and for all time is eternally and always important. But we just felt in this season that we're in, in this coronavirus pandemic, as we are trying to speak and be people of hope amongst fear, it felt particularly poignant and resonant. Not only that, but we're all dealing with issues of mortality as we face loss of life around us. People thinking about eternity and hope and purpose and what life is about feel significant at the moment. And we wanted to explore what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection of Jesus and the implications of that for his followers. So, so far, Louise Gilbertson and Modro Hubert have helped us to think about the resurrection fact or fiction, about the resurrection and why it matters. And today, Andy is thinking about so what? What are the implications for us that Jesus rose again? What can we learn from what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 here for us to take into our days today and the days ahead in the season that we find ourselves in? God, would you speak to us today? Would you open our minds to hear the truth of your word? Amen. The current pandemic that we are experiencing sits alongside many others in history. We read of the plague of Garland that took place between 165 and 180 AD and swept across the Roman Empire. Its major source of transmission was Roman soldiers returning home from campaigns in the Near East and it's documented that it killed at least five million people. Yet during this time there are reports that the Christian church flourished they had a theology of suffering, having seen and heard of their saviour who suffered and died himself. They were committed to staying in the cities and serving the poor and the ill when many deserted the cities for their own safety. But the primary reason they flourished is because they had and shared a belief in life after death. What we could call resurrection hope. And we can have this same resurrection hope today. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes about this resurrection hope. When he talks about the resurrection, he and early Christians weren't just referring to an event that took place at Easter weekend when Jesus rose again, but a future resurrection as well, what we might call the general resurrection. That's why it's so good for us to spend three weeks looking at some of the verses in 1 Corinthians 15 and the resurrection hope that they give us for today. Bodily resurrection was the predominant, the most common view found among Jews in the first century. In Matthew 22, we read of Jesus answering a query from the Sadducees, one of the groups that didn't believe in the resurrection. But most of the Jewish people, the Pharisees and other groups, believed in bodily resurrection. Following the events of Easter, Paul writes with greater clarity and certainty 
about this idea of resurrection. He writes about it in 1 Corinthians 15. And I want to address today one of Victoria's favourite questions that she often helps our children to consider. The question of, so what? Resurrection hope? So what? What implications does that have for our own hope today, for our own way of living today? And I want to highlight three areas for us. Resurrection hope means resurrection is coming. Resurrection hope means all evil will be conquered. And resurrection hope gives purpose to life. Firstly then, resurrection hope means resurrection is coming. 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 20 says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. For each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Resurrection hope means resurrection is coming, because the resurrection of Jesus means resurrection for those who are in Christ. To make this point, Paul talks about the resurrection of Jesus being the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep, talking of those who have died and not yet been raised to life at the great harvest or at the second coming of Jesus. When writing of first fruits, his hearers may have had in mind the first fruits that were brought in from the harvest to the temple to signify and celebrate that a full harvest was coming. When you pick one tomato, the first tomato, on a tomato plant you might have at home, it's a sign, a uh, promise, gives hope that more tomatoes are coming, that a greater harvest is coming. You might have a strawberry plant at home when the first strawberry comes, maybe a few weeks before Wimbledon, there's hope that more are coming. So the resurrection of Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection that is to come. The resurrection for all, all who are in Christ, verse 22, and all who belong to Christ, verse 23. The resurrection event of the first Easter weekend means there will be a resurrection event to come when we too will rise again. It will be a bodily resurrection, something that Paul unpacks more from verse 35 onwards in this chapter. Paul, in a similar way to Romans 5, talks about all being dead in Adam, our representative figure, but being made alive in Christ, a greater representative figure. Verse 21 through 23 again for you. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. 
There are many things we don't know about the second coming of Jesus, about the resurrection, and sometimes that can stop us from talking about this and teaching about this. But this passage makes clear for us that the resurrection that has happened in Jesus will happen for believers when Jesus comes again. This, according to verse 24, is when the end will come. There is an order laid out here by Paul. Paul explains both that the resurrection of Jesus is the beginning of a longer harvest and how that harvest will be accomplished. We could equally be tempted to try and pin everything down to predict and say the exact detail of how this will happen. But Jesus warns us that his coming again will be like a thief in the night. Something we can be prepared for, but nevertheless will come as a surprise. For believers then, the resurrection is something to look forward to. Which brings us to our second point. Resurrection hope means all evil will be conquered. Verse 24 to 28. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it's clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he's done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. In the order of things that Paul has laid out, it's clear that he's kind of got this now and not yet understanding about the resurrection. Similar to that that we talked about when we were thinking about the kingdom, the idea of now and not yet. The resurrection has happened because Jesus has been risen from the dead. And we know it's transforming power in our lives today. But also it's not yet happened in that the resurrection of those who believe in Jesus, who belong to Jesus, has not yet happened. Both those who are asleep and those who are alive today have not yet received our bodily resurrection when the general resurrection happens. Paul writes that all dominion, all authority and all power opposing God will be defeated, even death itself. The end picture that Paul paints for us is that God will be all in all. There'll be nothing bad or sad. There'll be no virus, no lockdowns, no disputes over the right way forward, no famines, no wars, no natural disasters, no masks, no mourning, no more anxiety or depression or isolation because all evil will be conquered. This is resurrection hope and church, this is what we need to hear today. The resurrection of Jesus means that death has been defeated and that it will be defeated fully. It means that evil has been defeated and the evil will be defeated fully. In this lockdown, there may have been particular things that you have found helpful. For me, I've found the practice of running really helpful. 
Getting a new pet, a dog, has brought great joy and help to our family in this second lockdown as well. But Resurrection Hope offers so much more than these things. The central belief of resurrection gives us hope that no self-help book can bring, no pattern of exercise or company of a pet can bring. The resurrection of Jesus is good news because it promises when the harvest of future resurrection comes that death itself and evil will be defeated. As Tom Wright puts it, the defeat and abolition of death itself must, of course, mean new life, new bodily life, resurrection life. So the second thing, resurrection hope means the defeat and the end of all evil. And finally, resurrection hope gives purpose to life. Now, if there's no resurrection, what will those do who are baptised for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptised for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I forget wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink. For tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. In these verses, Paul pulls together some threads about the present, some of which we don't have time to fully explore. But what is clear is that because of the resurrection, there's a clear sense of purpose in life. Living in a time full of trials as a Christian, where his life was endangered regularly, Paul finds and teaches purpose in light of belief in the resurrection. In verse 32, he quotes a well-used saying, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. It originates from Isaiah chapter 22, which is about God's judgment. God's people had forgotten him and would not turn back to him. But instead, they went ahead with the religious festivities and parties, but with no meaning behind them. As a consequence, God didn't forgive their sins. And so here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul brings to remembrance and places of central importance the resurrection because it gives meaning to life now. Forgetting the resurrection or conceding that it didn't and wouldn't happen would lead to lax moral behaviour, like that of God's people in Isaiah's day, who had dismissed God. And so he calls God's people to not be ignorant, but to stop sinning. Life as God's forgiven image bearers, however, is a life to be lived with the hope of the future resurrection in sight, something to be shared with others around as well. The resurrection to come and the new creation that comes with it gives purpose to life today. This is why it's so helpful to spend some time thinking about resurrection hope. I wonder if you've ever been in the middle of a journey only to forget why you were on that journey. Perhaps you've made your way into the centre of town to forget what it was 
that you've actually gone in to buy. Gone to the kitchen and you don't know why you're there. Well, the Israelites Isaiah was addressing were having parties with no meaning, thinking they soon were to die and that would be it. Thinking about the resurrection, Paul highlights, reminds us what is coming and it gives us a sense of purpose now. This understanding was very different for those in Corinth to their neighbours, those they lived among. And this belief in resurrection is really different to many of those that we live amongst, many of those on our front lines. They might be more virtual front lines at the moment, they might be more limited front lines than we're used to, but this belief in resurrection is different to many of those around us. And for us, remembering the resurrection in a pandemic, where our fragility is more obvious, where perhaps death feels closer than normal, reminds us of the purpose that we have in Christ, in light of the future resurrection to come. In a recent group with young people, when looking at our theme of completion, we asked the question, well, why doesn't Jesus just come back if all evil is going to be defeated? Why doesn't he just come back? Why do we have to wait for this resurrection hope to be realised? Why are we waiting? Now, of course, we couldn't fully answer this question, but one thought was helpful, was that God is waiting for as many people to turn back to him as possible. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's heart is that he wants as many people as possible to turn back to him, to accept this invitation to eternal life, which includes bodily resurrection and life with God in the new creation. I wonder, listening to this message, have you turned back to Jesus? Can you say that your trust is in Christ, that you belong to Jesus? With hope, can you not just look back to the resurrection of Jesus, see that it happened, see that it's important, but can you also look forward with faith to the future resurrection to come? Resurrection hope is what we have. Resurrection hope means resurrection is coming. Resurrection hope means all evil will be conquered. And resurrection hope gives purpose to life. Thank you so much, Andy. What a great summary to this series and a reminder today of what's important for us, that resurrection hope does mean resurrection for each of us, that resurrection hope means that evil will ultimately be conquered and resurrection hope truly does give us purpose to our lives. As we come to Advent Words of Hope starting next week, this has been such a good and important grounding and reminder for us as Christian believers. I'd love to pray for us as we bring this series to a close and as we bring our service to a close today. So let's pray together, let's pray. Risen Jesus, risen Lord Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, we thank you for resurrection hope. Thank you that you make all things new. 
Thank you that there is victory and power in your name. Thank you that you hold the keys to death. Thank you that by your might, Jesus was raised from the dead, paving the way for us too to be raised. Lord, we want to pray together for those who particularly need to hear a word of resurrection hope today. We pray for those who are especially isolated and lonely at the moment. Lord, we ask for the truth of your resurrection hope to be near those who are fearful today. Lord, we pray for the poorest and most marginalised in our communities. We ask you to bless our government in this season. Our government has the power to speak hope through decisions that are made. And we ask for wisdom for our government, making the best decisions for us as communities and as a nation at the moment. Lord, we thank you for the news about a vaccine and the hope that that brings. We want to pray for the successful rolling out of that vaccine programme. And we pray it would be a programme that does, does reach right to the corners of the globe. That this will be a global vaccine reaching any and every nation so that this pandemic can be drawn to a close. Lord, would you bring hope to our lives through decisions and practicalities. But more than that, Lord, through the truth of your word, that you are the hope giver today and for eternity. And for you as you listen today, let's posture ourselves to receive God's hope in our lives again, his resurrection hope. Lord, we come to you. I want to speak over my church family, your resurrection hope. Jesus, you died for each and every one of us. You paved the way for us to be raised for us to have eternal life with you and we thank you. And as you're listening and praying with me, I'll speak God's hope over you into your life today. May you know him near, whispering his truth, strengthening your soul today. And as we close, why don't we pray together? Why don't we pray these words? of a prayer together. Pray them out loud if you'd like to. We'll pray it together out loud as we're watching and listening together as we close today and close this series. Let's pray. Risen Lord Jesus, the Lord of yesterday, today and forever, the Alpha and the Omega, thank you for resurrection hope. Thank you that you make all things new. May the light of Christ rising in glory Banish all darkness from our hearts and minds. We thank you today for resurrection hope. Amen.